from Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum, and I am getting ready to leave again. But I'll have more on that later. Welcome to Tuesday 10. I am Sunny Cadwallader, better known as Cad Chica. Tuesday 10 is a conversation. It's a conversation with leaders and up-and-comers in the world of sports, from media broadcasting, business marketing, social media, and more. Now, the 10 usually stands for 10 minutes, 10 tips, 10 questions, but this one we're going to kind of do just a little bit differently today. I am joined by a friend of mine that I finally, I finally got to meet last week as part of the second annual Sports Fan Engagement Forum in Kansas City, hosted by Q1 Productions. Please say hello to my friend, Tom Buheim. Hey, Tom. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I I was just tickled. I think I think I was almost as as excited to meet you as I was to just go there because you're someone that I've come to just call as a friend, as a colleague, as a peer and I have a lot of respect for the insight that you bring and what you do on your website 4th140.com. So I w I was excited to meet you, Tom. I I appreciate that and and you know the feelings mutual. It was really a it was kind of a whole surreal couple of days to, to see and, and, you know, including yourself, meet you and, and others who I've come to know um, in, in social media, but only through a computer screen or a, a mobile phone. So it was really fun and, um, and a good experience in, in that sense, in addition to, obviously, the content that we got to, to listen to. Oh yeah, and you do look, you do look like your Twitter avatar, so that was good. I mean that that's the key. It's like you got you have to look like your Twitter avatar, yes. so people yes. know you when they actually meet you in person. So, yeah. kudos to you on that. That was really good. <laughs> now this was your second year. It was my first year going to. We we were both media partners last year in their first year when it was held in Dallas. Uh, we, we were media partners again, but this is my first year, so let me ask you, since you got to go to last year, what was different about the forum this year compared to last year? You know, I think I think it was a little bit of a broader topic this year than last year. It felt more, last year felt more social media um, topic focused. Uh, this year it was a little bit spread out more uh, around um fan engagement at the stadium, inside the stadium, um, at events, that type of thing, in addition to the social media and the digital piece of it. So it felt a little bit more all-encompassing, and I think what, what I appreciated about this year's event the most was um, the focus on the fan. I mean, it really um, was really about what the title was, and it was about fan uh, fan engagement, fan experience. And, and from every speaker, the everything that we heard during the, the time there was – uh, was focused on the fan, and, and I think that's, for me and, and what I do with 4th and 140, I'm always looking at it through the fan's perspective, or I try to. Uh, I might be speaking to um, a smaller audience and not necessarily the fan, but I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of uh, when, when teams put the fan first in, in everything that they do. And you had a great day one recap um from it, I know. I know. I was able to talk you into doing a, a quick Twitter video that first day because I was just so excited to meet you. But um, you had a good, quick uh, day one recap, and one of the things you—that was definitely what you highlighted throughout that first one was fan engagement driving the sports strategy. You know, we, you and I have talked before 
well, talked, tweeted at each other before about how crucial it is to think like a fan. Now, that doesn't mean anything about being a fan. It means thinking like a fan, and I think that's what this whole forum, this whole um, conference reaffirmed to me is how much those who are working in the social and digital side of um, for teams and schools, brands, whatever, they have to think like a fan because otherwise they're not going to get the reaction. Yes, they're going to get, I mean, fans will follow you wherever their teams or favorite athletes, wherever they are, but it's more about thinking like them. What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? What, what kind of content do they it really, are they really craving? And I, and that you bring, you brought up a great point in your, in your um, day one recap. Yeah, I, I think that's really, you know, what I appreciated about what the speakers brought to the table too was, um, you know, not just thinking about the fan, but thinking about what, what would make the, the experience the best for the fan and, and, and only the teams and the leagues and the, the, the sponsors can really do that. And, 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 to be able to optimize every experience around what the fan is doing and thinking is is only going to help enable teams to do uh, better things in social media on their sites in the stadium. And so, I, you know, I just I appreciated hearing from from some very talented people in that respect. Did it surprise? I don't know if surprise is the right word, but did it surprise you to hear? How teams have to have to find the balance when from when they're winning and losing, you know, taking actually stepping back, taking breaks. I, I know we heard that a couple of times. Yeah, not 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 surprising. I'd actually had some, you know, conversations as we call it, Twitter conversations, and uh, about that same thing. In fact, had written about that a little bit before um, on my blog. Um, you know, this whole strategy of winning and losing. What does that look like? Um, and, and it's very different when a team is, is doing well, like the Atlanta Hawks were doing earlier this year with their large winning streak. And yeah. um, you can do a lot more interesting and creative things when your team is doing well. Um, and when your team's not doing well, you can certainly do creative, interesting things, but the reaction isn't going to be the same from the fan. Um, I'm a diehard, longtime Iowa Hawkeyes fan. We had a very rough football season, and I can tell you, it, you know, Anger is not the uh, is not the enemy of a team in social media. Apathy is, and when when teams are losing, you you your fans become apathetic. They don't necessarily become angry. And so, uh, what happens is any content done in social, any activations in the stadium, kind of fall on their face. And uh, when when teams are losing, and so it's really hard to do um, to do things effectively if if the wins aren't there as well. And, and it doesn't take a lot of winning, I don't think, but um, I definitely understand where where those teams were coming from when they were talking about being quieter around things, or it's just difficult to do things, um, do more things, and be uh, be more active in social when it comes to um, you know having to do that around a, a losing streak or or a, a poor season. Right. A couple of the hot topics, at least from my perspective. Now, you have a different perspective because you actually work for a brand. But a couple of the hot topics on day one for me was um, Facebook, <laughs> the data behind the Facebook numbers. Um, I don't have some of them right in front of me, but it continues to blow Twitter out of the water when it comes to the the responses, the 
engagement, the that overused buzzword, interactions with fans. So it was Facebook for me, and also Snapchat, and um, a little bit on the minority side, Google Plus as well. Yes, there's Google Plus is not technically dying, people, but it's still there. But there, we had some great speakers on all three of those topics. Yeah, I really, uh, you know, I, I'm always the first one to to be skeptical of of changes when, especially in a Facebook situation, it's it's kind of hard to keep up with all the um, the things that that happen with it and. And I understand what they're doing from a from a business side, but for for teams to to really understand that I think is more important because they're I don't think they're in the same situation that um, a brand that you know similar to, to to who I work for or or other brands that use social media to engage with consumers customers sports fans are different and they're always going to be there it's it's um, it's just a little different animal and I think optimizing Facebook comes uh, with some different parameters for sports teams than it does maybe for a brand. So to understand that landscape, um, I certainly got some of that from, from the presenters as well. What, what was your takeaway from, I know you were really, I think when we were talking, you were really looking forward to the Snapchat presentation from Alex Restrepo from New Orleans Saints. What were, what were some of the takeaways from that one? You know, I... I I really enjoyed listening to that. I'm I'm one of the bigger, louder skeptics of Snapchat, um, mostly because okay. I think I, I I think I think part of it is is some <laughs> some jealousy on my on my part because I I do I work for a brand that just is too conservative and yeah. Snapchat just doesn't work. And so a I don't get it, and b I'm kind of get I'm off my of, lawn. I'm kind of mad about it because I can't I can't use it, and I'm I'm not real. I don't fit the demo either. So. But what I appreciated from Alex's talk was understanding how it can be used effectively and and how it how it can really overcome a lot of the the, the same obstacles that um, some of the other uh, networks the platforms put in front of you like a Facebook or even a Twitter where you're you're you know the people you're reaching when you reach them and and you don't really know that with Facebook or Twitter necessarily. It, you can look at some of the metrics behind what's happening, but I think with Snapchat, your 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 content is, is going to be um, received in a better situation and, and will definitely have uh, a higher engagement rate than it could on a Facebook. So, I, I you know, I was really intrigued at how teams can, can approach Snapchat from a from a content perspective, because you can do some unique things, I need to get over the um, some of the the things that the issues that I have with it as a you know <laughs> as a person who works in social media and and a person who doesn't really use it personally. So I I definitely came out of of the the sports fan engagement uh, conference forum uh, a believer in in Snapchat, and I think um, you can look for for some of that coming up on my blog soon. Uh, around what you know, kind of my additional thoughts around it. One of the um, most important statements. It's still it's still stuck with me. I mean, I I can't remember the exact word for word. Was um, our Twitter friend Kelly Mosier, and the statement he made about I think it was about mobile was that mobile is his generation's version of 
sports radio. You know, whereas people would go to games, I mean, especially at with him at Nebraska Cornhuskers, people would go to games, they would take their radio in the old days, you know, they'd be listening to it while they're watching the game at the stadium, and now it's the phone. Everybody's got their phone at the stadium. Um, how, how much emphasis, no, that's not the right word, how key is it going to be in these next few years for more and more content to be mobile friendly for in the in the sports community? Yeah, I, I think it's it's hugely important to have uh, everything mobile optimized from your site to the social content you're posting. But I, you know, I think that's a that's a given. And and you know, I was just presenting on this a couple of weeks ago to some small business owners that. Uh, one of the stats that, that I shared was 27% of people will leave a site if it's not mobile optimized from their phone. And so if you are presenting your content in real time uh, to a live audience that's only going to be using mobile and it's not mobile optimized, you're going to lose them right away. Um, I, you know, I think the other piece of that that, that uh, Nebraska is doing right now um, is offering this HD Wi-Fi, and I think that's going to be um, moving forward. That will be table stakes at at venues, at stadium venues for for fans and, and an expectation. While Kelly talked about this um, vocal minority, he doesn't feel like the you know the 90,000 people, the majority of them at a, at a Nebraska football game are necessarily craving that HD Wi-Fi to help them um, do whatever they do during a game. I, I still think you have that vocal minority, as Kelly pointed out, that wants to have that access during the game. And again, I think that's just going to be an expectation moving forward for teams to do. I, I know I get frustrated when, and, and I'm obviously in that vocal minority, I get frustrated when I'm at a sporting event and I can't do anything with my phone. It's it's pretty much worthless because yes. it's just bogged down with, with, the, with poor service. So I, I think, you know, beyond the, the mobile optimization piece, I think that's, that's a given. I think the the next thing you'll see is a, a lot of stadiums going to this uh, HD Wi-Fi capability uh, moving forward. Do you think sports teams, you know, those that work in sports social media, do you think they sometimes overthink it? Uh, sometimes, I I do. I think sometimes they do. I think they can be, you know. They can be down the line three or four steps, and really they're they they've already moved past where the fan is. And mm -hmm. I, I think in for sports, it's it's very it's it's a very simplified process for the sports fan. Just give me what I want, what I want, yeah. what I expect from the team. Yeah. And sometimes that's you know that's very basic, and it doesn't need to be fancy or um, or filled with a lot of pop culture necessarily. It can it just you know give me. Give me the facts. Give me some of that access that I don't always uh, get from, you know, a reporter I may follow or a, or a newspaper I may follow. Give me some of that stuff that I know um, only you can provide. Yeah. Um, who are some of the people that you were, aside from me, of course, who are some of the people that you were uh, glad, you were happy that you got a chance to meet there at the forum? So I got to meet Kelly last year from Nebraska, and of course he's just a superstar. So I was, it was great to connect with him because again, we're not worthy. We're not worthy we of are, you, Kelly. We, really <laughs> we, we, we definitely are not. And 
so again, I've I've said this before. I blogged about it before. I've tweeted it before. You know, I just don't. It's hard for me to imagine being in the presence of a lot of these people who mm-hmm. are, are doing you know what what I think is is pretty cool work. And yeah. um, so so obviously Kelly was one. Alex from the Saints. Alex was uh, another person on my list who I really wanted to connect with. And um, you know, two thumbs up. I got him to follow me back on Twitter, so that was a win as well. So he wasn't following you. <laughs> he was not. No. Oh, we need to mute him now. But he he is now, so um, all is forgiven, and and you know, very appreciative. And and again, just a, a lot of the people there. You know, at the the last lunch that uh, you and I were at, you know, it, we just kind of randomly sat at a table, and I got to meet the two um, ladies who are, are repping the University of Iowa. And so that was a win for me at the end of the day because I got to see the people behind a lot of the content that I'm sharing with, you know, my friends and, and family from from what they're doing um, just from a pure sports fan perspective. So that was pretty cool. What about you? Well, there was a few, but I wanted to say you did good because you were in the same room with some Iowa State Cyclones, so <laughs> and there were no punches thrown, no no hay bales, no nothing. Nothing nope. was thrown at each other. They they were able to sit. Were you were we sitting at the same table with them? I think we might have been. Yes, at I one point. I think so too. And so you, it was no punches thrown. It was just nice and peaceful. And see, we can all get along at the yes. Q One Sports Fan Engagement Forum. So that was good. Um, as for me, obviously you. I mean, that was that. Like I said, I was just tickled. I was thrilled. I was happy to meet you. It was an honor to meet you. Um, I I wanted to meet some of the people that I've had on my show um, this year. Lauren Teague was on the show leading up to the forum. Um, Adam Ledyard from East Texas Baptist University, um, and they didn't they make they're on their way to the Sweet 16 and D3 hoops. Yeah. So yes. congratulations to Go them. Adam. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he is so talented. I mean, he he makes it work with not a whole lot of resources and it's so different for a small school versus a big school whereas like I spoke with um, Rocky Harris from Arizona State so I got to briefly meet him um, Brian Costello got to meet him Lisa Bregman from used to work at LA Galaxy now she's working um, at Washerman Media Group Alex um, and then you you were already gone by this time but um, Michelle Bella from ESPN Deportes. I actually got to talk to her before she did her presentation on Hispanics and Latinos um, in sports, which the numbers that she was presenting blew my mind. I mean, just college football alone, Tom, they've tripled their ratings since they started just a few years ago, broadcasting college football on ESPN Deportes. I mean, you think it's a soccer-loving community, which it is, but college football is just, it's taken them by surprise. So, I mean, everybody, I mean, there was Erica and Nathalie from um, Q1. So it, it was it was enriching. It was really enriching to go there and meet everybody and just listen. Because, like you, I'm, think, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> I don't belong here with these people. Yeah. These people are so talented. Why am I here? I kept waiting for that too, like someone to tap me on the shoulder. Okay, it's time for you to go. You, you, you don't belong here. This is not. This is not your crowd. And so I was. In, and you mentioned Adam. I was. 
especially um, appreciative of what what he provided to to that group. Um, he comes from a D3 setting, as you mentioned, and and that has a special place in my heart, being a D3 graduate, um, and and understanding what it what it takes to do. Um, everything, and that's pretty much what he's doing in his role. And so you can you can contrast that and compare that to what what's happening at a pro or a college level. And it's it's just it was a good it was a good um, a good comparison for me, and it was a nice perspective to to have for the crowd. Um, and and so I appreciated it, Adam, and and especially when he was. Um, in the middle of, of a lot of stuff going on. So I know that poor guy. I mean, he was he was planning on had to plan for hosting a tournament and doing a couple of presentations there. I I don't know how he was able to do it all because I was grumpy, not get. I was, I think I overslept the first day and people kept me up the next day. And it's like, oh my gosh, how is he doing this? Um, there was one. Uh, uh, segment that you weren't able to get to, um, but I did want to talk to you about it because it's right up your alley, like you said. Um, had to do with handling crisis, <clears throat> crises. Um, I forget what it was that I had said that I'd heard from it, but it had to do with addressing it, apologize, and move forward. What are some of your thoughts on that? as far as what you've seen in sports or maybe from your own brand? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are plenty of, of missteps to, that we could point out, but I think your, your assessment of what, um, you know, what, how teams approach uh, these, these incidents, whatever they may be, um, they can certainly be, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a, a script or a playbook that you can, that you can write for every situation, but I do mm -hmm. think I do think having some of that mea culpa, that apology, um, and then moving on too. But I think for social media, and and this this speaks to a little bit to what what I've encountered as as someone who represents a brand is 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 then choose also to maybe have some quiet time where you're not being as active in social media because you're you're inviting yourself to be a target. And I think that that's a lesson that can be learned across sports. I think the uh, I, th I think there's a tendency to kind of move forward maybe too fast necessarily. Yeah. Um, especially uh, maybe at the team level, but also even you know if you're if we're if we're talking about um, athletes in particular, the the ability to kind of shut things down for a little while is not going to be detrimental to a personal brand. It's certainly not going to be detrimental to a team brand. Um, if depending on what the situation is. I wrote a little bit about how poorly the I felt the Ravens had handled a lot of things with the Ray Rice situation, mostly from a social media perspective. Um, obviously, they did some things really poorly from a, a public relations standpoint as well. But um, you really compound those things if you do um, do things poorly in social media as well, because that's so um, not just in front of a, a, a national media; it's in front of a national audience, and so. You know, I think those things need to be handled delicately and in in conjunction. That's one of the things um, that I've brought to 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 my brand is to make sure that I'm at the table uh, from a social media perspective when we're talking about crises. And so, because they they inevitably they're going to spill over from wherever they may come from, they're going to spill over into a social media setting. And and if I'm not aware of that, um, then 
and we definitely uh, have a miscommunication going on and, and, and miss out on the opportunity to, to change the message potentially. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Ravens because that was the first thing that popped into my head um, with the whole live tweeting, the, yeah. the Rice's press conference. I mean, it seemed like every time you turn around, there was some misstep on Twitter with from the Ravens. But let me ask you this question because I know there have been times where on Twitter, in the middle of crises, um, people are tweeting, why haven't they tweeted anything? Why haven't they responded? So it's almost like a catch-22 for schools and brands. So where, where is there is there a happy medium, or do you just take the lumps and until you, you feel like you have it, have a, a satisfactory um, response, or you, do you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, we probably have seen those tweets before where right. they should be responding by now. Why, yes. why it's, what's taking so long? Right, right, and I think that that needs to be factored into the, the crisis communications plans because social media is so immediate and and so if you're if you haven't said anything, I, I think that that's where you start to get this backlash in social media like like you talked about. And so I think that needs to be built into plans where you have this ability to put something out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, a full-blown statement or even addressing whatever the issue might be fully. Uh, I think you need to have the ability to put something out there in social media where we're evaluating the situation and we'll, we'll be holding a press conference at this point in time or whatever that message may be depending on, um, on the situation. I think you have to factor in social media because of its immediacy and to be able to have um, some sort of response ready. But you know, for sports teams, for athletes, um, that that time frame may move up because you've got the ESPNs of the world, the, the uh, you know all the different media outlets who are watching the accounts, waiting for that for that tweet that ends up going to millions of people. And so I understand that there's a lot more um, attention potentially on those um, those tweets than would be on on may maybe anything else. And so. You know, from a crisis response standpoint, I think social media probably needs to lead, but also I think it needs to be in the same voice. And I think we've seen some situations where teams have probably put the PR person in in charge of the social media account when there's a, a crisis happening. And I don't think that should be the case. I think you need to bring in your social media person and make sure that message, whatever it might be, goes out in that brand, that team's social voice. Um. Or they could use Meerkat, Tom, where, <laughs> where they record something and then it's gone. It's you can't find it anywhere. And I bring I, nice segue. I bring that up because you just wrote something about Meerkat. It's Meerkat. You can probably explain it better than me, but it is this week's uh, social media hot hot commodity, if you will. Um, Topic du jour, whatever, whatever you want to call it, sports and social media strategy for Meerkat, Tom. And let me let me put it this way, because we're we are still talking about the Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum that we attended last week. Will we be talking about Meerkat at next year's Q1 Productions Conference? 
I, I really doubt it, and and here's why. Um, I, you know, I think I think it has a lot of interest right now because it's new and it's um, it's providing some some unique opportunities for. It's a live broadcast thing, right? Yes, you basically can live stream video directly to Twitter. You can interact then in the stream um, with with your Twitter handle, and it's really only a Twitter play. And I think what Meerkat has said is, you know, what happens on Meerkat happens on Twitter, and so that you know that's one of the the allures to it. I think at this point, um, and it's just a, an opportunity for people to kind of test out some live streaming video. That that's why it's. I think it's garnered a lot of interest, and it is new. It's it's really it's only been available for a couple of weeks, from my understanding. And and I think from a sports uh, from a sports perspective, there's an opportunity, and that's kind of what I wrote about to to do this um, experimentation, this test and learn, um, to, to to try it out. Does it fit with with you know the the content that you're trying to do and uh, the community you're trying to reach, and and does it fit for your brand and you know, we've already seen a couple of teams give it a shot just to see um, what it what it's like. And you know, I think right now some of the issues are are more on Meerkat side than than they are on the team side. They've got some um, issues with you know compatibility, and it's only available in iOS, that type of thing. Um, but but as far as you know, having longevity, I, you know, based on what I know from from what, what Twitter's already looking at, from what I'm reading. Um, and I'm sorry, the the name of the the other app escapes me that they've um, acquired. Um, but anyway, they I, I I would expect that they're going to have this capability coming in the next few months um, natively to Twitter, and it will it will um, make Meerkat a a distant memory. And that's kind of what what I also included in my blog post as well. I I don't I it doesn't mean that Meerkat doesn't have value right now. For for anybody, for anybody who uses Twitter, but also for sports teams and brands, it's an opportunity to test just this functionality out using this particular app. I don't think the um, the functionality for live streaming is going away. I think that's potentially what we might be talking about a year from now at wherever the the uh, next Q1 sports engagement uh, forum is. And I would make a pitch to come to Madison, Wisconsin next year. So. I, I'm going for West Coast, Tom. Come on! I mean, the whole I, I going two hours ahead. I'm I'm gonna be toast this weekend when I'm three hours ahead in Miami. It's time for a West Coast Q1. Are you listening, Q1? It's time to go West Coast, best coast. It's Periscope is the is the company that Thank they you. just bought. Thank you. Now, the my only question, and I didn't think of it until I had been talking with somebody talking I call tweeting with somebody talking um, talking with somebody on Twitter what about the data issue you know if you're live streaming something even in a tweet isn't that taking up valuable data I, in, I think on a phone I think so and I think that's you know from a user perspective that's something that could be a barrier um, if you want to take this thing um, larger. Uh, if, if, if teams want to use this more regularly for, for things, they need to understand that the user might be like, I'm not going to watch that. It's going to kill my phone. It's going to eat all my minutes. It's going to you know, eat all my usage, that type of thing. Um, so that's, a, that's something to consider. And, and also, I think if Twitter's paying attention, which I'm sure they are, that's something they need to factor in as well. Um, because you know, if, if you've tried Meerkat, it doesn't sound like maybe you have, but I've tried it on, on a desktop, and the experience is almost useless. So 
these are some of the these are some of the things that that Meerkat or whoever replaces them, you know, moving forward from a live streaming perspective, um, needs to kind of figure out. Um, you know, that again, that doesn't mean, and I wrote about this as well. That, that doesn't mean live streaming doesn't have value. I think it does, and um, it's just a matter of how does it fit in with with what teams are already doing. You know, do you want to take people off of your site if if, if it makes sense? Um, but right now, it's just really about testing and learning and understanding what your users like and don't like potentially, what your fans like and don't like. And um, it's like you said, it's the it's the social media app is your, it, you know, in a couple of weeks, people probably won't be talking about it as much as they are now. But um, it's definitely gaining a lot of attention. Um, you know, when Forbes writes about you and Mashable writes about you, it's, you're going to get noticed by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, biggest takeaways that maybe that you, now that you've had a full week to digest everything, I know you've written extensively about um, the forum. Is there anything that you haven't written about that you're thinking, oh, I would like to write about it, or, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's That was pretty, that was some great information from the speaker. You know, I think a couple of things, we've and we've talked about them a little bit, in, in this broadcast, um, you know, one would be just diving a little bit deeper into Snapchat and and the implications it has and the opportunities it, it creates for, you know, the sports industry. And uh, I plan to write a little bit more about that because I took, you know, pretty copious notes and and really respected what Alex um, provided because I think he does have a, a pretty unique perspective from from his experience using Snapchat for the for the New Orleans Saints. Um, the other is is maybe just a deeper dive into you know Facebook and what it really mm -hmm. means for for sports teams. I think you can't ignore you know the the elephant in the room and and Facebook is still the elephant in the room. We yep. you and I both love uh, Twitter and it's yep. the place I always go first, but. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, Facebook dwarfs Twitter um, from mm -hmm. a from a sports fan perspective. So I think there's there's something more there, and uh, I you know I want to explore that a little bit in addition to you know some of the other topics that will will probably you know come to mind moving forward. But those are the those are the two main ones that that I walked away from from the event uh, kind of thinking about more. It's it's a dog eat dog world to to borrow a quote in terms of social media because it feels like they each want to be a one-stop shop, you know, and that that's why this whole video thing is fascinating, yeah. whether it's Meerkat or Periscope or whatever. They all want to be the one-stop shop, the one place where they get, whether it's fans, customers, just people in general, they want them to come to theirs and no one else's. So it's going to be fascinating, fascinating to see these next few months, this next year, until we're at the third annual Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum, hopefully on the West Coast. Seattle works really <laughs> – Seattle's lovely this time of year, Tom. I, I would I would vote for Seattle, absolutely. <laughs> well, why don't you let – Or Aaron, Madison. <laughs> no, no. This time of year, it's gorgeous. It's in the 60s over here in the Pacific Northwest, Tom. Come on. <laughs> or Arizona. I'd go for Arizona, too. I can vote for that one, too. So thanks for joining me on the show. Why don't you let everybody know how they can connect connect up with you. You bet. So um, it's Tom Buheim and you can reach me on Twitter at Tom Buheim. That's uh, T-O-M-B-U-C-H-H-E-I-M. Don't forget that second H. Everybody does. 
Um, I do not. I do not. <laughs> well, most people do. Um, and you. if you mispronounce it, it's fine because I won't. I won't hear it. it. You can't mispronounce a tweet. Um, or you can catch me uh, on my blog at fourthand140.com. Well, again, I am. I was just tickled to meet you. You are exactly like you are on Twitter. And, and I hope I that's a compliment. It, no, it is because you're genuine, you're smart, you're engaging, and I I respect the heck out of everything you're doing with Fourth and One Forty. And um, yes, am fam too. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thanks everyone for joining me today um, on the podcast. Yes, this is a podcast. This is not. I did not do a video show um, for obvious reasons because I am still dealing with sickness since I got back from the forum. Um, be sure you're following Q1 uh, on Twitter at Q1 Sports. Some great and talented people. They they put on a fantastic forum. I'm sure they will uh, be doing another one next year, 2016. Uh, but definitely follow them on Twitter. Connect with them on Facebook. I believe they're on Instagram too. But Erica, Nathalie, and everyone associated with Q1, thank you for allowing. I'm I'm speaking for Tom too. Thank you for allowing us to be media partners for the second year. It was a fun and engaging experience. I I know the I'm using that word again, Tom, engaging. But it was a fun experience and meeting some of the people. It was at times surreal, but above all else, it was informative and just some great people working in the sports social media landscape. Um, connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at CadChica. I'm, I'm on Snapchat as well at that same handle. Um, yes, I may or may not be getting on Meerkat soon. I'm not quite sure because <laughs> I will be covering the, I'm covering the Miami E-Pre Auto Race uh, this weekend. Hoping to do some Google Plus Hangouts at well as well, so follow me on Google Plus plus Sunny Kedwallader. And um, Tom is trying to take a picture of me, uh, even though I look like death warmed over times ten this today. But anyways, follow me on on those social media outlets. I haven't written in a while because I've been sick, but definitely check out the blog, CadChicaSports.com. I will be writing about uh, the Formula E on sporting nation, TheSportingNation.com. And anyways, it, oh, as far as Tuesday 10 goes, I am going to be taking a break for the rest of March. Once I get back from Miami on Sunday, I think I need to fully recover. <laughs> But anyways, thanks for joining in. We'll be talking to you again in April. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. And join, join us next time on Tuesday. Tuesday.